well, I appreciate uh, you asking me, Barbara, and uh, appreciate the um, Personal Theology Organizing Committee for uh, asking me to come uh, for the technical help I'm getting from my friend Dave Rockhold and uh, especially to you, the audience, that uh, you'd like to come out and, and see and hear all this. I uh, first gave this same talk um, about six years ago, and it was, uh, proved successful. A lot of people liked it, and when Barbara needed someone, she, in fact, she mentioned to me a story that this was uh, the first personal theology talk that she came to when she first came to UUCB, and it was partly uh, helped to convince her and David to stay. So the, the organizing piece of all of this is uh, notions of God. And uh, I think uh, perhaps uh, atheists or secular humanists maybe uh, have a misunderstanding of um, notions of God, uh, uh, creating uh, uh, straw mans that are then batted down. Well, I don't believe in that kind of a God. I think from ancient times, those that really thought and felt deeply about it were using God as kind of a placeholder for those uh, forces that are active in the world, in the universe, that uh, they're not able to really understand, but need to be able to characterize in some way. So it's really just a placeholder for all of this um, darkness. And so the darkness... The mystery is uh, a a theme recurring through this. So. So, recent discoveries in astronomy have uh, once again revealed that the ultimate source of all things remains an awesome mystery. We know that the known universe is roughly 14 billion years old and that the known um, universe is 93 billion light years in diameter. But there may be things outside the tent. (laughs) And trying to take a look beyond is an age-old effort. The actual universe, though, uh, and astronomers will tell you this, may be infinitely old and infinitely large. We just can't tell. 
So if that is the case, uh, we are an extraordinarily small part of it all. So a, one of the ancient efforts to uh, grapple with this awesomeness was uh, written up in the Bible uh, as Jacob's dream in the story of Genesis. And to take you back to that time or to a time near then, uh, get you settled in. This was a kiva from Mesa Verde. And this is what it looks like looking out from that same scene at night. Notice the Milky Way reaching up into the sky as if it were a ladder. Jacob's dream. And Jacob had a dream. And behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. And I will give it to you and your, to your descendants. Your descendants shall also be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate to heaven. second reading is from the Bible, again, the book of Job. And the images I'm going to show you are from the early uh, 19th century poet and artist William, William Blake. And the story of Job uh, is basically the story of a man who worked to uh, raised a family, lived in his time, did what he could to be a good man. And at uh, one point in the story, uh, Satan comes to God and says, um, uh, let me uh, do my way with him and we'll see how, uh, a pious, how pious he is. And uh, then the stuff started happening. Uh, his uh, house was destroyed. His family was destroyed. Uh, he was beset with boils and other diseases. And his friends uh, came to him 
uh, offering various explanations for why all of this was happening. And he started uh, getting pretty angry at his friends. Uh, they, some said, well, you must have done something wrong, or this is the way, uh, this is because we're all fallen beings. Uh, he, he didn't accept that. And at one point, he calls out to the Lord, um, why me? Um, and said to the unnameable, And now I am in an agony. The days of sorrow have caught me. Pain pierces my skin. Suffering gnaws my bones. Despair grips me by the neck, shakes me by the collar of my coat. You show me that... I am clay and make certain that I am dust. I cry out and you do not answer. I am silent and you do not care. You look down on me with hatred and lash me with all your might. You toss me around in storm clouds, straddle me on the wind, and I know you will destroy me and lock me in the house of the dead. I made a pact with my eyes that I would not gaze upon evil, but what good has virtue done me? How have you rewarded me? Isn't isn't it disgrace for sinners and misery for the wicked? Can't you tell right from wrong? Can't you keep your accounts in order? Oh, if you would only hear me, state your case against me. Let me read your indictment. I would carry it on my shoulder or wear it on my head like a crown. I would justify the least of my actions. I would stand before you like a prince. And the unnameable answered Job from within the whirlwind. Who is, who is this whose ignorant words smear my design with darkness? Stand up now like a man. I will question you. Please instruct me. Where were you when I planned the universe? Tell me if you are so wise. Do you know who took its dimensions, measuring its length with a cord? What were its pillars built on? Who laid down its cornerstone? While the morning stars burst out in singing and the angels shouted for joy. Have you ever commanded morning or guided dawn to its place to hold the corners of the sky and shake off the last few stars? All things are then touched with color. The whole world is changed. Where is the road to light? Where does darkness live? Perhaps you will guide them home or show them the way to your house. You know, since you have been there and are older than all creation. Do you know the constellations of heaven and how they affect the earth? Can you tie Castor and Pollux together or loosen Orion's bowstring? Can you light the evening star or lead out Ursa Major and her cubs? Then the unnameable asked Job, Has the accuser, has God's accuser resigned? Has his critic swallowed his tongue? 
Job said to the unnameable, I am speechless. What can I answer? I put my head, my hand on my mouth. I have said too much already. Now I will speak no more. Then the unnameable again spoke to Job from within the whirlwind. Do you dare to deny my judgment? Am I wrong because you are right? Am I wrong because you are right? Is your arm like the arm of God? Can your voice bellow like mine? Dress yourself up like an emperor. Climb up upon your throne. Unleash your savage justice. Cut down the rich and the mighty. Make the proud man grovel. Pluck the wicked from their perch. Push them into the grave. Throw them screaming to hell. Then I will admit that your own strength can save you. Then Job said to the unnameable, I know now that you can do all things, and nothing you wish is impossible. I have spoken of the unspeakable and tried to grasp the infinite. I had heard of you with my ears, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I will be quiet, comforted that I am dust. next section is about uh, modern ideas of what's out there about cosmology and focusing on uh, recent discoveries that what we can see around us uh, is really a very small part of uh, what is within our observable universe, specifically parts that we can't see, we call the name uh, dark matter and dark energy. Again, putting labels on things that we understand uh, really quite dimly. Uh, Again, um, dark energy makes up nearly three-quarters of uh, the visible universe or the known universe. Dark matter, uh, roughly a quarter. And what we can see, uh, the uh, intergalactic gas and stars are really a very small fraction of uh, the total of what's out there. Um, The dark matter, uh, what we can say about it is that it's undetectable by its uh, emitted radiation, but whose presence can be inferred from gravitational effects on visible matter. Uh, The evidence for it is uh, the rotational curve for spiral galaxies does not fit predictions based on Newtonian dynamics. And gravitational lensing observations in certain galactic clusters reveal the presence of considerably more mass than is indicated by the cluster's radiation alone. 
Um, this is a picture of our nearest uh, neighbor, the Andromeda Galaxy. And this is a graph showing uh, in a graphical form the notion of uh, how uh, the rotation doesn't fit. Uh, classical notions of Newtonian geometry. Uh, consider um, a, a rather prosaic image of your uh, sink or toilet bowl uh, with uh, the water going down the drain and uh, there's maybe sprinkled uh, sawdust onto the surface. And what you see is the particles of sawdust near the center are rapidly going around and around, but those particles that are out in the uh, edge are going around rather slowly, or it's rotate in, a, in scientific notion, it's rotational velocity is a lot less. So this is uh, a graphical depiction of that out there. Uh, at the edge of the galaxy, the rotational velocity is a lot lower than it is near-in. But this is what is observed. It's going around just as fast on the outside as it is on the inside. It's almost as if the model of the sink with the drain is not appropriate, but rather maybe a phonograph with the uh, sawdust sprinkled on it where the rotational velocity of those particles of sawdust out near the edge are just going as, as high as those particles of sawdust in near the center. Uh, the lensing, it's as if uh, uh, there were uh, looking through a wine glass or another uh, transparent, the image is distorted. And uh, this is an example of that where these uh, lines here uh, and here uh, represent that bending of the light due to an unseen source of mass. Uh, again, another image from uh, the Abel uh, 2218 galaxy cluster. Uh, others, uh, uh, by uh, using computer modeling of this bending of the light, you can infer the presence of the dark matter and, uh, and thus create... Uh, um, models of it uh, superimposed on what you can see and this model uh, shows the dark matter present in blue and the visible gas which is lit up uh, uh, with a lot in x-rays is in red so these uh, clus these uh, galaxies or uh, galaxy clusters are passing through each other uh, and dragging the visible matter along with it there's another um, cluster, uh, again, showing the uh, dark matter in blue and the, the, some of the gas, the hydrogen gas in red. Dark energy, uh, hypothetical form of energy that permeates all space and tends to increase the rate of expansion of the universe. Um, think of uh, throwing a ball up into the air, you throw it up, it slows down, stops, comes back down again. It's as if in our universe you threw the ball up into the air and instead of slowing down, stopping, and coming back down again to come and let you catch it, it starts going up faster and faster until it's basically uh, moving at meteoric speed uh, as it escapes the Earth's atmosphere. 
So the observations indicate the universe is expanding at an accelerating rate rather than the expansion slowing down, it's speeding up. And that the total amount of matter uh, accounted uh, in using the matter energy uh, formulation where they're mixed together is only about a third as I showed you earlier in that graph. Uh, why do astronomers believe it's expanding? What's the, um, uh, to understand that, it uh, gets into a lot of uh, technical stuff, uh, including supernova, which are exploding stars, uh, white dwarfs, the remnants of stars, uh, and standard can- candle, a way of measuring uh, things that are out there. And uh, a supernova is a result of the explosion of a white dwarf, and it produces a peak, uh, uh, at its peak explosion, that uh, light coming out of there is consistent from uh, supernova to supernova. So if you look out into the uh, universe at different galaxies that are out there, you can find these type 1a supernova and look at how bright they are and uh, uh, get an idea based on how bright they are, how uh, far away it is, and just as if uh, headlights in the far distance you see are rather dim, but headlights up close are quite bright. Um, this is uh, usually what uh, precedes the formation of a supernova where uh, you have a binary star system. Uh, One of the uh, stars is sucking off matter from the other until it grows to be of such a size that it finally blows up. Uh, Tycho's nova is an example of this type. Um, uh, Other relevant terms in this uh, uh, evidence uh, to help you are the Doppler effect, the notion of a train coming toward you has a high-pitched sound, a train going away has a lower-pitched sound, and uh, the optical equivalent of that is called redshift, where light is uh, shifted to the blue if it's coming toward you, light shifted to the red if it's moving away from you. So if the object you're trying to look at is moving away, a given wavelength of light appears to be shifted to the red uh, that you see is shifted to the red. If the thing is going toward you, it's shifted to the blue. And uh, you see in the top part of this figure uh, the um, optical spectrum of the sun, whereas in the bottom you see the optical spectrum of one of these supernova, and you see all of these lines uh, representing wavelengths of light have all been shifted. So the more distant supernova are dimmer, as I said, um, and they're dimmer, more, they're uh, they're more dimmer or dimmer than they would be expected, assuming that the universe is expanding at a constant rate. Um, why uh, do astronomers believe this? Um, that 
uh, measurements of the cosmic microwave background radiation indicate that the universe is close to very flat. It means that uh, Euclidean geometry holds, that the straight line uh, it goes on forever. If, uh, you either, if, you, if that weren't the case, triangles, uh, the angles in triangles could either add up to be more or less than 180 degrees. Um, for the sh- so for the shape of the universe to be flat, this mass energy density must be equal to a certain critical density. And the total amount of the universe is uh, the dark matter and the light matter amounts to only about 30% of the critical density, which implies the existence of an additional form of energy to account for the remaining 70%. So to uh, sum it up, uh, it's a big, big world out there. (laughs) And there's a lot going on uh, that we don't understand. And uh, does, uh, so we think back to the ancients, uh, the poet that tried to express that and book of Job or uh, in the book of Genesis that contains uh, Jacob's Ladder passage. Are we really all that different from them? Uh, we still look up uh, with a sense of awe and mystery uh, to what's out there. We know a little, but there's a lot more to know. Thank you. so much, David. We have a few minutes for questions, if we'll have them. Or comments. Thank you, David. Thank um, you, Robert. I saw at the beginning, it said that the universe was 94 billion light years wide, and I'm wondering two things. First of all, doesn't that contradict Einstein's notion that it's both infinite and bounded? And second of all, how the hell did they come up with that? <laughs> Yeah, very big ruler. Um, I I don't quite understand all of the details myself, um, but I could get to you, if you like, uh, some references. Uh, It was an article in Scientific American where... uh, the, uh, this was offered. Partly, it uh, think, well, if, uh, the universe is only 14 billion years old. Uh, how could something that's 94 or half of 94 billion light years, uh, how could that light get to us? Um, it, it has to do with um, the expanding universe. And More importantly, does any number contradict Einstein? Uh, it's a mystery. <laughs> 
a, mystery, a lot of it's a mystery to me. I know a little. Thank you, David. Uh, I want to preface my question with a little thought experiment. Um, imagine Beethoven, before he lost his hearing, coming into my living room, blindfolded, and I put on my recording of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. It plays, and he says, you must be God. How did you do that? You've got, how did you get all these instruments into your living room? <laughs> and, and of course the answer would be that, no, you're just a couple hundred years later, we've discovered a few more things. But from his perspective, because he doesn't understand, he says, I have met God, or you must be the God, or a God. So, with that kind of thing in, in mind, what you did is very beautiful. And the, the juxtaposition of, of the music and the visuals was stunningly beautiful. But I think it all begs the question uh, as to whether the magnificence and the, and the cosmic extent of everything that we don't know should lead us to believe that we should use the word which has a lot of baggage, G-O-D, uh, to somehow give us comfort and explain what we otherwise can't explain. Interesting. You have any comment, David? Well, I, I would uh, hope th that th what these forces, the, all this that goings on out there, um, you want to give it some kind of name or give it some kind of uh, shape uh, that's recognizable to a lot of people. Um, and uh, the anthropomorphizing, uh, turning it into the man with the beard uh, in Blake's formulation, is uh, a way to do that. You know, in uh, computers, when uh, you see that hourglass going around and around, or you see the circle going around, what do you say um, is going on in there? Well, I usually say, well, it, my, it's thinking. <laughs> I've just anthropomorphized an inanimate object. It's not a human being. It's not an animal. And so the, our, our tendency to anthropomorphize uh, things is really quite deep, and it makes it kind of easy to communicate. I am a, a power user of computers, and I'm frequently uh, working with IT support to fix things. And we've found, uh, they found, that it's easier to use that kind of language to uh, express the problems as if it's, uh, well, it's confused. Uh, it's <laughs> David, thank you. That was really beautiful. I like your idea of dumping everything into a bucket that we can't explain and calling it something. And part of that is the human brain evolved to impose causality on any observation. But my little thought experiment is, do the mitochondria in a cell know that when they decide that cell should die, it's part of an organ that's part of a bigger animal that evolved 
on this earth, which is then every aspect of it controlled by information in DNA that evolved. And so for me, a part of it's a matter of scale. And I look at those pictures and I think, does a jellyfish know that the, the octopus is going to eat it? Because it's alive. And we don't know at what level we are or what all the other levels are doing. Yeah, our, our capacity to know our, uh, uh, what three-pound uh, biocomputer, uh, what capabilities does it have to uh, really understand the reality of what's going on? It's a matter of scale. Uh, the Job story, as I see it, uh, God proves that he's powerful, but he doesn't prove that he's good. As a matter of fact, this story seems to me to strongly imply that God is evil, and there have been people who took that position. Philip K. Dick is one of them. Are you convinced that God gave a straight answer to Job? <laughs> well, my... Um paraphrase of the story is uh, you know um, and, and actually I saw something really uh, was really quite remarkable um, a woman in our neighborhood uh, came out screaming one day and a uh, few moments later the ambulances showed up and uh, her uh, baby who had been quite ill had just died and I'm watching her and she's going why me? Shaking her fists. Why me? Um, at, at the point where, uh, uh, setting that aside, and a more light answer to this, um, and the, my story of Job, he goes, why me? And God answers, um, Job, shit happens. <laughs> Get over it. It's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Those pictures were so beautiful, and um, I just started finding myself putting names to them. Oh, it's the Dragon Nebula. It's the Halo Nebula the galaxy or whatever. It's just wonderful. So thank you for assembling that. My question to you is, um, I remembered um, maybe it's something coming out of that Lucerne cyclotron where the diameter is, what, two miles or something like that. They're supposed to find out at least more of what the essence of dark matter is in about five or six years. Do you know anything about it, or can you comment about that? I don't. Uh, I believe it was that same um, device that uh, revealed the existence of the Higgs boson. And uh, so times are changing and we're discovering new particles, uh, new um, and efforts to make better sense of it all. I'm sorry, but we have to quit now. Thank you so much, David.